the challenges are different you know if you are with an unicorn the set of challenges you go is different than if you are in a multi billion dollar organization so the my experience when i look at those challenges because i spent a good amount of time with the vmware you know when the company was around 2 billion dollar revenue and then by the time i left at 8 billion dollar and it was so much change happened over that time the challenges i had seen on the day one of when i joined the company and then the challenges i've seen when i'm leaving the company is totally different because the complexity increases as you increase your revenue and then the customer demands are different the needs are different when it comes to unicorn that's a whole different story and that's where my last two and uh, gigs are about all the unicorns and then you know taking the companies who are very Uh, small but they need a similar processes so my expertise you know taking the knowledge how the big companies does these things how can i fit them into a small company which is agile and then ready to go public or you know trying to grow without having the same overhead what the big companies has hi everyone it's your host sar my name runs with car And I'm excited to bring you today's episode of Building Software Factories of the Future, a podcast that interviews the best business and digital transformation leaders and aims to deconstruct, dissect, and teach you how to build the best software teams, processes, and factories of the 21st century. It's a new movie. Autonomics co-founder Raj Raho will be interviewing one of the best in the digital transformation business, Venkat Ranga. Now this guy's resume is loaded. Venkat is currently the head of business technology at Ariaka, a global leader in managed software defined one, also known as SD1. And previously, he's led business technology delivery at Malwarebytes and VMware with nearly a decade of experience between those roles. In his current capacity, he spends a lot of time thinking about how and why business technology teams need to exist and often shares why a company stands to benefit from adding one to their org structure. And most importantly, how the business technology team must evolve to meet the business demands in the SaaS world. Now make sure you stick around to the end where we review the key highlights of Raj's and Venkat's conversation and make sure that you are upping your game and helping your organization thrive in this age of digital transformation. Let's get started. Venkat, welcome to our program today. Um I'm sure our listeners would love to understand your journey to how you became a business technology leader. Can you give us some insights on that? Sure, Raj. Uh, thanks a lot. Thanks for hosting me uh, on this podcast. Uh really appreciate um you know seeking out my insights into this. It's, I spent 20 years in industry um looking at what i want to be and then how i change my role uh the change is an imminent and i agree that and then i changed you know every two and a half three years and since pretty much i'm you know i changed myself uh it wasn't an easy journey and you know i if kidding aside i started my career in the as a dba i mean literally in the back office but i was always wanted it to be be with an executive solve their problems business problems where i can really bring a value um first decade i spent on analytics on uh, after dba that's not i felt and i want to understand the business so i went spent almost a decade also 
trying to understand what the business analytics are in terms of the sales, service, support, HR, it doesn't matter, every business function, what type of analytics we need. So I get a feel for what the businesses are looking at. Uh, the next decade also, I started to spend, um, especially at a VMware, and then, you know, I wanted, um, I, I, I spent a time in different departments. I know my colleagues were, in a space, let's say they were in a sales, they were continued to go into the sales and then, you know, going in a hierarchy in the sales. But I was always wanted to change my role in two and a half, three years. And I was in business analytics, then eventually moved into finance and then ran a set of finance projects, did a finance close, closely worked with the CFO that time. And, you know, almost 11, 12 quadrants, I was involved understanding all the technology pieces cut glued together to really make it happen, a finance close. Then slowly moved into the sales side of the organization and support side of the organization, understand how the sales runs and support runs. So I always like to know what business does, and I'm very curious about that. So knowing and understanding how business come together and how this pieces plugged, you know, get plugged into this puzzle is what led me to the role what I am today. Um, you know, certainly, in, um, you know, the unicorn like uh, Ariaka and, you know, has given me that opportunity. In between, when I was transitioning out into these roles, I started to see where I want to go and then what I want to do. I have seen the problems on the bigger companies and, you know, as I described in a VMware of the VMware of the size companies and, when I look at the SMBs, this, the challenges are the same. The problems we talked about, the business processes are the same. However, how do you do these things for a smaller organization is different than a bigger organization. And then that's where I started to take the experience I have gained and then brought those pieces together and then created a kind of a playbook for myself and then the people uh, who are who want to be aspiring about the technology business technology leaders to see and go and then do those things and this was uh, probably it's more than two and a half years I kind of came up with this playbook and I continue to follow every day and then I try to do that um, has helped me to do what I'm today and then continue to uh, evolve and and then again again you know Am I here today and am I and am I not changing? No, I am. I'm again, as I said, every two and a half, three years, and I kind of bring in a change into me uh, to add a, a, another area of the knowledge uh, so then I can really serve the community and then, you know, the leadership team are the executives who I work with. Um, so it's a, it's a very, um, uh, you know, fulfilling journey. Uh, I love what I do. That's my passion. And, you know, every day I look for a ways to contribute to the business and then I bring an efficiency. Um, you know, how can I add a value? Even the same thing with my team. I talk about to my team every day and then say, whatever you are doing, look at how you can bring a value to that company. And, you know, it might be selling a product that might be serving a customer, whatever that is. So um, I, what I preach, that's what I do. <laughs> Thank you, Venkat. That's a great uh, set of skills and experiences that you bring. And Ariaka is lucky to have uh, a person like you uh, on their roles. Thank you very much. Um, you are a business technology and a business process expert and a thought leader in this space. Um, I would like to understand, and I, I am sure our podcast listeners would love to hear from you, um, some of the critical business processes for a fast-growing enterprise. 
you've had uh, excellent exposure to that at VMware, Ariaka, and several other places. So it would be good for us to know your thoughts on some of the key business processes. How are they implemented? How are they supported? And what are some of the key challenges? Can you please uh, share your insights on this? So just uh, take a look at it when you when you are talking about any organization. It's maybe an enterprise, maybe an SMB, or it's mid company. There are two type of uh, challenges they have. Certainly, they need to build a product and sell. Product is the key. That's what brings you know, brings the cash in. I mean, sales team is going to sell. However, when you look at inside the organization, there are a certain business processes needs to be established. And that support that needs to be supported by necessary technologies. Think about the sales. The main business process is lead to cash. It's a lead to order, order to cash. That's a massive business process needs to be established and well thought through and then backed by in respective systems. So that's normally we consider as a front-end business process. The similarly is another one which we call it as an issue to resolution that is also needed to solve the customer problems because at the end of the day, you are selling to the customer. You're not only able to sell in the manner you wanted to sell, then you should be able to support the customer any issues comes along. So those are the two key business processes which are very important for any organization embarking to support our their customers. Then there are a backend processes. They come along. I mean, in the backend processes can be two types. There's some of them are purely employee focused. Some of them towards the, the financial aspects of the company. Or if you are a public company, are you about to go into the public? There are certain processes comes in. So if you look at the employee focused, you talk about the hire to retire. You know, how you bring in an employee into an organization. How do you, you know, Take that employee, hire them, performance reviews, and then take them. If When they decide to leave, whatever the reason, then how you retire. This all comes through the hire to retire process, which is also backed by certain business systems. And the, the where the rubber meets the road is all about the money. You know, you are able to sell. Now you have to collect the money. That's the internal processes. So which are record to report is within the financial CFO organization that's going to be done. How do you re- record the revenue and then report the revenue to the stakeholders? That could be a public, if you're a public company, or if it's just in a private company to the board, whatever the manner, that needs to be there. And certainly in this process, one of the processes it's involved is called a procure to pay, where to do any of these services, you are acquiring certain um, on a, a certain contracts you know it may be a software contract you're buying or you're buying some tools and resources whatever that is so you should be able to purchase them and process them so there's a cost associated with so they are procured to pay so all of these business processes are very important for organization doesn't matter it's a hundred million dollar organization or a hundred billion dollar the complexity increases you know how you evolve is increases and then how you execute is going to differ from the company size. But these are the six or a seven, what we call is, you know, a fundamental business processes you need to be in the organization to drive the value which you are generating for your customers, your employees, and your stakeholders. So th- that's what I, I really see that. 
So you you touched on um, uh, the complexity or the challenges. You know that is where I have been, um, you know, and then promoting and and then sharing my wealth of knowledge and then building those necessary systems and processes and people to drive. Yeah, we can talk a lot more about what the challenges as we go, but yeah, that's how I see that uh, change. The um, issues are different uh, based on the size of the company. Thank you. Thank you for that. So I would love to understand what kind of applications are supporting these key business processes today for you? So when you look at the applications per se, the applications are typically this, you know, anything to do with the front, front end applications, what we call is a CRM. You have to have a CRM that lets you see who the customer is and then able to sell to that customer. You know, that's the main thing. It, you may call Salesforce or you may call SAP or you may call Oracle. You know, there are different products out there which can cater that CRM space based on uh, your need and the size of the organization and the complexity of your sales motion, the software you choose to go with. So that's just the way it differs. Um, so that's a major, major application you look at. The CRM is the must, uh, you know, application you need to have. Then come into the ERP where you would be processing all your financial aspects of the company is an ERP. There are many applications and SaaS applications, you know, starting with NetSuite and go all the way. Oracle is also onto the cloud now and then, you know, the SAP and then whatnot. There are many business applications. Again, you pick and choose your son, you know, what that fits your wallet and the needs of your um, requirements at that time. You know, I, I normally advise to the uh, the, peer, the folks, um, the cost of not making addition is more than when you're in a young company of cost of making addition. So the reason why I say that is if you are trying to buy a software, let's say a small company, you may not need to go in and spend millions of millions of dollars and then buy a big one, which takes, you know, millions of dollars to implement. So you buy what fits today and make sure that stays with you at least a three to five years minimum. You know, three years is a minimum and five years is a maximum if you can run it because that needs to support your organization. But if you have a software that gives you a flexibility to buy now and then, you know, you can grow, which is happening in the SaaS world. That's also eliminated the biggest risk. Go in and pick it up. Uh, so you got to think at least a three to five years of horizon, pick up the software which fits for your needs and then start to build on that. So those are those are typically I look at it. That's from the business applications person. Then comes that there are a lot of other things. When you look at it as an CIO or you know, when I look at the head of technology, business applications is only let you do the business related functionality. What I talked about, order to process, uh, in order to cash or the procurement mm-hmm. debit card to report. Now the other challenge in that is how do we integrate them? So that is the second most important because none of these applications are integrated by design. They are standalone. They have a different ways of looking at things. So you have to integrate. There is a major investment that goes into the IPAS solution and how do you integrate that. And the third and the most important thing is it's not about enabling the business functionality and enable to sell and then recognize the revenue and then whatnot. If an organization is a metrics-driven organization, now you need to start looking at what are the metrics you want to see the CEO would like to see on a day one on a dashboard when he gets up. 
am I have that visibility? How many customers I have? You know, how much sale I was able to do last week? And you know, how much sale I was able to do last quarter? What's my revenue? Um, you know, for this quarter, what is the growth? You know, all of these metrics needs to be brought together. So the next big investment and a reasonable investment goes into the business analytics. So that's another area we need to be focusing as an head of technology or, you know, as a CIOs. But all of them glued together. If you talk about technology, these are the systems and then, you know, processes come together. But when it comes to the execution, you're talking about what initiatives you want to take, what initiatives you want to execute. That needs to be ordered, prioritized through a PMO organization. So you will end up having a PMO organization which prioritize the projects. You will end up having a technology organization which builds these technical solutions for your internal customers. And um, you know you have an operations team which supports the operations part of that. That's how you. Uh, that's how I set it up. Uh, any any of the teams um, uh, to support the business. We're about to take a quick break to hear a quick word from our sponsors. But when we come back, Venkat is gonna share how a manufacturing company compares to a software factory and why it's important to make the comparison. He's also gonna talk about what it means to have a frictionless sell mode and removing all the bottlenecks for your sales team without compromising quality or increasing elegance. He'll explore whether the world of software enterprise tools are changing for the better or for the worse, and what changes he's spotting with the emergence of SaaS tools. Venkat will also be talking about how he and his team are breaking the backlog and finding more utility within his sprint cycles. But before we get there, just a quick word from our sponsors, the folks that make this podcast possible. As the engine of low no-code testing in the Sauce Labs DevOps testing toolchain, Autonomic empowers citizen testers and IT professionals to automate their functional testing and thoroughly test both the UI and APIs in their Salesforce applications. With our AI-driven and codeless studio, our customers and partners can significantly shorten test sprints, improve code quality, achieve running full regression cycles, and keep the regression suite up to date after each release. Autonomic delivers transformational projects faster without compromising quality. You can deploy Autonomic locally, on-premise, or in the cloud, or hybrid cloud. Autonomic is available out of the box with preset Salesforce-specific test assets and offers unmatched workflow flexibility. Find out more by visiting www.saucelabs.com and sign up for your free demo today. Now back to our conversation with Raj and Venkat. So to summarize what you're saying, so what you've said so far, is you have built uh, you, you, you know, uh, fast-growing organizations can have a set of SaaS applications that support the critical business processes and, and make sure they're fully integrated with some sort of an iPaaS uh, framework that makes sure uh, that, that all these SaaS applications are fully integrated. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, thank you for that. Uh, thank you for that insight. Now, in terms of operational, uh, in terms of agility and change, are, are you, uh, you know, what are you seeing in that, uh, in, in that space? I mean, you know, what are some of the 
things uh, you see on a daily basis in terms of agility and change. So the most important thing for any of these unicorns we talk about and companies, agility is the most important. Um, and anything you do, you take up is a delivery has to be done through the agile manner. So then the agile way of delivering is, is the very important, you know, um, we call it as an MVP uh, is what you need to deliver very quickly in an bi-weekly or a quarterly or whatever the time frame you're getting, you know, developing within your organization, you need to do that. So the second most, uh, you know, that comes through the PMO and then how you set up those whole organization and how do you set up your project execution, you know, all of that will kind of guide you on, uh, you know, to execute on certain uh, projects which came into the company. The challenge what I'm seeing or what I've seen in into the SMBs are there two. One is most of the SMBs are spent uh, a lot of money on a software, but not enough money on the technology teams. So that equation is going to a, a problem. When the leaders decided that this is the time to bring in a business technology team which can cater that or solve that issue, then the leader who walks into the business technology and a leader has a two challenges. One, he probably has a huge chunk of technical debt that needs to clear. And the existing team members have got used to the certain business processes. And bringing the change among them is going to be the second most difficult. So you got to balance between how you move the people from what they were doing into what needs to be done, looking towards the future and, you know, by enabling the technical solutions. Plus, in that process, how do you manage the change for them and the systems? And the, the third piece, which is kind of a goes on, you know, two sides of the change. When I look at the change, the change can be a, a people, a process, technology. For me, the, one of the things which I, uh, and I looked at, you know, uh, executing the projects, you know, and over the years or in my, my historically, when I plan for any of the projects, I see the cost of executing a project is, is three buckets. A bucket of requirement gathering and managing the project. That's going to be close to 30% of my resources go towards that. And there's going to be a development effort to make that change to bring in or the, the new functionality to enable is close to be around a 40%. And the testing that change is, is going to be close to 25 to 30%, you know, just varies from the size, you know, the size of the organization and then whatnot. So I am spending so much time making sure the new functionality is coming, but at the same time. I'm also spending a decent amount of time and resources to ensure what is delivered is not broken in the technology space. And the business side, I'm also spending an amount of, an awful amount of time to train and then send a message to the, you know, the business to say, here is how you do business or here is how you quote going forward. Here is how you send a sales order. It is how you respond to a ticket created by the customer. So there's a lot of training goes on that. So the change management is big. So as a, as a technology leader, I look at my resources, where they are being, where they are spending time. What can I do to cut the cost? 
um, not losing the quality. You know, the quality is the most important. We are not going to be, you know, it, it, it's it's a saying, you know, one of the things I tell my team is, if you look at it in the manufacturing, if you capture a bug or an issue in the shop floor, is easy to fix than sending it to the field and then think about we have so many examples, how much time and an effort and resource and dollars need to be spent to do the recall. Same thing goes for the software factory too. Mm-hmm. You are spending, you know, if you are not catching a bug, you made a certain mistake and let it through and then you have a customer onboarded and now all the data is gone downstream systems. If there is a mistake caught in all the way down, now you are going to spend an awful amount of time to not only fixing it and rectifying across the systems. That takes about that that increases your operational cost. So I like to see my technical changes to be thoroughly tested before even go out the, out the door or before go into the production. Um, how do I do it? I know I'm, I'm spending an awful amount of time and resources on that, but my goal is to see how do I reduce that not losing a car not impacting the uh, quality and the time is where i look at it so i look at the changes everywhere um, but at the same time what you pay uh, to make sure what you wanted to do is still optimal is is where i, I tend to look at these things excellent i think uh, oh, let me ask you this question uh, is this a challenge for most business technology leaders today uh the, the the like the way you beautifully bucketed into you know the planning activities 30 percent 40 percent build out activities and then another 25 to 30 percent testing activities is this kind of an industry standard venkat is that what you're seeing and is this across the industry where the testing is a you know, taking a big chunk of their effort and, and, and also there is a struggle when it comes to test. Is what is this what you're seeing? It is. I mean, you know, again, the, I'm not I'm not speaking the numbers randomly and you know, because I spent uh, my decade of executing the projects and then I looked at where my cost is being, how I can cost it, um, millions of dollars of projects and then, you know, look at that. Um, and, and then these numbers, um, plus or minus two, three percentage, you know, then again, I'm not going to say that, uh, there are a certain systems may take a much more and much more QA effort than uh, you know some, some of them. At least the business uh, systems, what I've been implementing, and you know, so probably lies around thirty percentage. And my always my goal is to see how can I reduce it. I mean, the same effort is going into now into the development, and I'm spending a forty percentage of development. And there are now new tools are coming called a low code, no code tools. If that gives me extra fifteen percentage. I'm not saying that I'm not going to spend a 40% of development. I probably spend the same amount of time, but I'm able to deliver a lot more because of this, some of this automation. So idea is we still be able to put the same amount of, uh, you know, percentage of the dollars in across the board. But what I'm doing is I'm delivering much bigger value and the more productivity coming out of the team. Um, by adopting some of these technologies and tools. So my goal is how do I add an efficiency every day? I mean, if I have done in a sprint, I have got in a hundred points. What can I do when I come to the next sprint or, you know, maybe four sprints down the line, how can I add a 10 percentage more or 15 percent more points? Um, is, 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 is a value you are able to generate without your cost being increased. 
So that's the key. I mean, you know, you're not asking with you are going to deliver the higher value or more, you know, highest value with the same amount of resources. That's 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 how uh, you know that works for every industry and even the industry we are in. You know, my goal right. is to add a more value to the organization, not killing people. That's not the intent. Is you know, we all love to work, um, and uh, and then you know everybody has the same eight hours a day, and uh, I'm not going to go after. But what can I do to bring that additional efficiency is what I am after. Right. So basically what you're saying is there is an intelligent way of scaling and this is one intelligent way of scaling. So I, I really like that approach. Yeah. So so before um, you started using our product, how were you testing uh, and what was your process of testing and, uh, uh, you know, your change. And because uh, there was quite a bit of change in, you know, software change that is coming through you because you're an agile organization. How did you deal with, uh, you know, change validation, testing, so on? So the, my, when I looked at the product and certainly, you know, um, you know, I, any product I choose and go through the thorough analysis and then see what the value is. I was, I had several, um, uh, you know, things which I'm watching on my sprint. For example, I was saying, you know, we were doing an X number of points on every sprint and I want to make it faster. I want to increase it. So I looked at where is my time is going on is that requirements are not clearly coming in in the timely manner I wanted. Are the development team is taking a longer, are the QA is doing them in a longer time? So when I look at all of those, and certainly we, we see a certain requirement gap. So we are working on that. So that's, that's, that is to do with the business. So we would do it. But when it comes to the QA of different QAs, the unit testing and regression testing and end-to-end testing, and you know, there's a different type of testing we do, QA testing and an UAT, there's like four to five different testing happens during the sprint. And we already established our order to cash flow uh, you know, over the last 18 months, you know, it's, it's, it's proven, it's working as expected and business is really happy about it. We are able to do sell more our products. I mean, it's, it's basically, it's, when I say sell more, it's, it's a frictionless process is what we created through the systems. That's, that's the, you know, I do not want a sales guy getting, you know, trying to be, uh, creating a quote for an hour, you know, in a day. That's not what I want. I want them to be able to create a quote in 10 minutes and then send it out what the customer wants. So that's what I need to get to. So we have taken out the, we have cleared that and then enabled the frictionless process. Now, back end is my team is, because there's so much code is delivered. Now my team needs to make sure anything new code goes in. We don't want to break that. That would really disrupt the business. So we need to be able to test hundreds of test scenarios. How do I do it? You know, I only get two weeks of sprint and I have to do quite a number of things. And if I'm dedicating three, four days, uh, you know, within the 10 days of work, I mean, three days I'm dedicating, but QA, that's that's not enough for me. I need to cut down to a day and a half. You know, can I do it in a half a day? How do I do it? Um, so then I can I can squeeze a lot more through the, you know, the, the more, more, more functionality at the same time is what led me to pick up the tools I want. Um, and you know, I know autonomy, autonomic IQ has helped us, and then we have established uh, a the testing process from end to end, starting from order creation all the way. Sorry, starting from code all the way to the order. And this is not in one system. We have multiple systems, and then our testing goes across all the systems. So today we can really test, and a, a lead coming in, and then a code gets created in the Salesforce. 
and then all the way to our billing system, Zora, and then to the NetSuite where we do the review, you know, financials and then RevRack. So I can do sitting at one particular tool and then execute a test case from end to end through automated process. You know, that's what that's where I see the value. I mean, you know, I know I've seen the tools doing it one system at a time, and then there is a manual an individual trying to glue together. But I don't want that. I want to be able to test end to end you know, as if somebody is creating manually. And, you know, that's what is an important for me. And then I think our team has achieved that. Um, you know, I'm I'm just, I'm, I'm going to use that as the, a vehicle for pushing more stories or pushing more functionality into the product, into the production. So that's where I'm trying to go. So thank you, Vikar. Uh, that was uh, very well described of how, your prior state and how the uh, using uh, Autonomic, you're able to uh, do end-to-end -end testing much more easily and readily and, and bring some efficiencies and so on. Um, and let me ask you, um, do you see, uh, are some of, what are some of the trends uh, you are seeing uh, in uh, across these SaaS technologies? You know, like what, I mean, are you seeing uh, uh, you know, for example, uh, SaaS vendors are all different and independent. They all publish changes whenever they want. Uh, so uh, can you talk a little bit about the, the the going forward? You know, are they bringing more agility, more stability or more agility and more change? What exactly are you seeing as the future trends uh, across SaaS uh, landscape? So, I mean, you know, to be honest, if I take a step back, um, SaaS has changed so much. Uh, the clouds and you know, business systems have changed. SaaS systems changed so much over the uh, last decade. And I'm, I'm really happy about the change. Um, and this is a very positive change. So let me let me look at it. When I was 10, 10 years, let's say 10 years ago, if I were to execute any project, we were spending close to 60% of the time on bringing a new application on-premises and then developing a necessary code and then building and then all of that. And then close to 40% of our time was going on building the infrastructure to support that. That's the massive amount of effort. If I look today, my responsibility, I do not deal with any more infrastructure. So all of a sudden, I have a 40% of my time freed up I don't need to focus because a SaaS able to give me that, which is which is good for me because we are all at the end of the day the resource constraint, and now I could. So what did that? What it did is, I could able to take that forty percentage of the time and spend me and my resources close to what business wants to do. In 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 those days, let's put it that way. IT teams were doing the implementation, business teams doing the business side of the work on trying to figure it out, and they were having their own IT teams, and then it was just a shadow ITs and whatnot. There's no need for that. Now, business technology team is sitting right in the middle of the business, able to support the business and then drive the solutions that are needed through using the SaaS products. You know, so it's maybe called Salesforce, call it NetSuite or call Sora, whatever the, whatever the sales tools are, Gendesk, I'm, I'm not. All of these products given us the a much more ammunition and a power to execute in a fast manner uh, for the you know, companies to and then 
automate their stuff. I mean, this is, if you really look at it, the time, the most of the SaaS companies are even the young companies, the unicorns are able to come way faster because of the SaaS systems behind that. So I see, I see huge, huge, um, you know, value SaaS teams are created. Of course, what's happens with that is the change. Um, now they are also changing. Look at every product out there have a quarterly releases or a patch releases or the half-yearly releases and, you know, semi-annual releases. You as an organization have adopted a certain version and now these software applications are continuously changing. You got to, you got to be with them. You, you know, that's an overhead, I would say, bringing in. I mean, you know, 10 years ago, once I'm on the software version, I'm there and I don't need to be going on to any version. If I decided, then I will go otherwise, no. But now I need to continue to upgrade myself to the latest version to be relevant or be, you know, supportable by the SaaS vendors. That adds up my additional work into automation in the QA. You know, I have to see the new version comes in. I need to do the QA for that. And not to impact my business system and functionality, what I'm already delivering. And then on top of it, I do not want whatever has been given by the product vendor is also not breaking my system. So that's an additional testing. I need. So that's the change I need to be able to embrace and quickly test it and move forward. So that, that also adds up my testing requirements much more than before. Uh, so that's that pushes me to automate that too. So if I'm if I'm spending thirty percentage for the product, then that requires another four or five percentage. My resources are gone. So I need to automate as much testing as possible, so that way I can keep continuously bring the efficiency I need it. Our company deserves. Venkat, mm-hmm. thank you so much for sharing your insights and giving us a overview of business technology systems. Uh, the SaaS uh, applications that support these business technology needs and how a, a, a competent business technology team can deal with agility and change. Thank you for in, in the insights today. You know, on behalf of SaaS Labs, I really want to thank you for your time and your wisdom, sharing your wisdom with uh, our listeners today. What a great discussion by Raj and Venkat. Now they talked about so many things and I'm just gonna lightly overview the key sauce for you to take away. Sauce number one, the business challenges that big multi-billion dollar companies face are very similar to the ones that companies that are going public, small, medium-sized businesses, or even startups. But the process to solve these challenges for these various organizations are very different. And the key business processes that he's identified and tries to optimize for include recruit to retire, lead to cash, procure to pay, record to report. There are various SaaS tools that an enterprise will use for each of these key business processes. And it's important that they are maintained during all change management. Sauce number two. As a business technology leader, you have to be evolving and changing consistently and updating your playbook to serve your customers. You also have to be inspiring your team to constantly change. Venkat practice what he preaches and you can tell in his evolution as a business technology leader. Sauce number three, 
Different tools serve different operational needs to help the business conduct its daily functions. But CIOs and other C-level executives need a different set of tools that give them a high-level view on how the organization is functioning. All the various tools at the operational level need to be connected to an overall reporting framework that the CEO can wake up and look at on an everyday basis. Sauce number four. Enterprise software is changing for the better. Companies are able to move much faster and quickly to scale up as they are powered by SaaS tools that make up their technology and IT infrastructure. On-premise installations that used to take months to implement and now business leaders are able to buy that time back with SaaS tools. However, these SaaS tools need to be battle tested since they all have their own velocity of release cycles and new versions of SaaS products that are adversely disrupting to regular business operations if not managed correctly. And last but not least, SaaS number five. A shameless plug for Autonomic SaaS Labs. Venkat and his team are using Autonomic to drive much more value during their sprints and reducing the amount of time it takes to test the multitudes of integrations they have in their overall product. I hope you enjoyed the discussion as much as I have and that you are going to take away this sauce to level up your digital transformation game and your own software process teams and factories. See you next time and don't forget to comment and share your biggest takeaway and we'll see you in the next episode of Building Software Factories of the Future.